and I think it's going to really be incredible to start off this message uh, and start off this series in a powerful way. Um, I'm going to share a little bit about my life, but also I think that, you know, this series is going to really impact us all. All right. Let me see. Make sure this is good here. All right. Um, the Power of the Gospel, that's the name of the message today. And, and what we're going to be doing with this Good News series, I think, is super exciting because it's going to be a time when we really focus on something that we first heard, the Gospel. And I, don't, I want you to think about when you first heard, I'm not talking about when you first came to church. I'm not talking about the first time you, you w- got religious, right? I'm talking about the first time you realized the Gospel for yourself. And what that was like, um, that was incredible. When you realized that Jesus Christ died for you, that it was personal, you know, that, that's a time in your life where um, it changes your life forever. Um, and, you know, I was thinking about this series and even just the need that we have for the gospel because the gospel is the power of God. And there's only two things in the Bible that talk about the power of God. The two things are the cross and the gospel. First Corinthians says that the power of God is in the cross. And, and then in, in, uh, in Romans 1, the, the primary text that we're going to look at, Romans 1 speaks about the gospel is the very power of God. And I want you to think about the power of God for a second and how incredible that is. That is overwhelming. You know, Job says in Job 26, we'll look at this passage too, it says that he goes through all these amazing things. He says, death is naked before the Lord, you know. He goes through the thunderous, you know, incredible creation that he's made. And, and one of the, his friends says, this is just the outer fringes of his works. How great is the thunder of his power. And I believe the gospel is the thunderous part of God's power. That, as you can say, it has power to change the rebellious man and woman into a lover of God. And not just a lover of God, but someone who's changed, not by duty, but by the heart. And that's incredible. And, and so we're going to get into this, and we're going to look at different people of the Bible uh, in the next part. We're going to do two parts of the power of the gospel in these next two weeks. And then we're going to get into Nicodemus, Zacchaeus, you know, the woman who, who, who poured out the perfume, and how we can relate to these stories, because I think these stories are responses to the gospel. These stories are amazing responses to the gospel. So let's jump in, 1 Corinthians 15, and uh, we'll start reading. Amen? Amen. Get there, too. Paul says in verse 1, Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel. I preach to you, which you received, on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved, if you hold firmly to the word I preach to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as first importance. How important is it? It's the first important thing. That Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures. And that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day, according to the scriptures. And then he appeared to Cephas, and then to the twelve. And after that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, and then to the apostles. And last of all, he appeared to me also, as to one abnormally born. For I am the least of the apostles, do not even deserve to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them. Yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Whether then it is I or they, this is what we preach. And this is what you believed. Amen? You know, we have to be reminded of the gospel. Amen? I don't know if you know that, but it's so easy to get religious instead of being gospel-filled. It's so easy to do things out of duty and accountability and, 
you know, it's the right thing to do versus doing it because you feel so in love with God. Amen. You know, when you first heard the gospel, you were motivated, amen? And I believe many of us are motivated in this room. But questions like, why do you go to church? As you get older in Christ, it gets a little more complicated, right? Why do you go to church? Well, you know, it's what I do. Every Sunday I go to church. Why do I go to church? Well, people are depending upon me. You know, obviously if Carl didn't come to church, we'd be like, oh, shoot, what are we going to do for singing? Or if Jane didn't come to church, who's going to be the usher? Or if Rick and Janet don't come to church, we don't take communion, you know, because they're over the communion. And we all have different roles in the church. But that's not why we go to church. Amen. We don't go to church because of that. But motivation, it's challenging when you think about being in Christ for a long time because our motivations can be changed. The true motivation to go to church is because my Lord died for me. Because my Lord wants me there. You know, it's, it's, it, it would be radical if, you know, if God said, jump off a bridge, and I knew it was Jesus saying it. My mom is in the audience. She's not going to like that I say this. I would jump because I believe that Jesus will catch me. I believe Jesus will catch me. And, and of course, I'll make sure that that was the Lord speaking to me. And, of course, I'll get advice about that before I jump. But what I mean by that is, spiritually speaking, there was nothing I wasn't willing to do when I first encountered the gospel. And it was very simple, and it was beautiful. And I want us to get back to that, amen? I want us to get us back to that gospel message that first inspired us. And, and hopefully this, the Holy Spirit's the only thing that can really do that. But Paul's reminding this church of the gospel that is the only thing that makes them stand. Do you realize that? You being religious has nothing to do with you being saved. You going to church, logging in church hours doesn't help you. I think we know that on an intellectual level, but on an emotional level, we can still be works-oriented. We can still believe that. And and there's something about duty versus good news. You know, I didn't go to Infinity Gauntlet, the movie, because I had to. It was a duty. I went because I wanted to, right? I was like, this dude's got the, that, that claw thing, that Infinity with all the gems in there. I want to see that movie. That movie's going to be awesome. And I heard all these great things about it. And I went there, and I saw that purple guy with the gems, and it was awesome. It was like a three-hour movie, and of course, I waited till the end of the credits because I enjoy it, amen? I went because I wanted to. No one has to go to church here. This is not something that you're going to, you're not going to lose anything if you don't go to church. What do you mean, not going to lose anything? Well, yeah, there's consequences for every decision we make, but what I'm saying is that if you're going to church because of duty, if you're doing this because you feel this pressure, more pressure from uh, not the inside, then we're in trouble. It can't last. Amen? Amen? You know, news networks and newspapers and media for decades have changed their tactics. They report bad news, right? Yeah. You know, experiments have been done where there's bad news being shown and good news being shown, and people gravitate toward the bad news. Yeah. That's because... We've learned to just focus on the bad news. Fear is a great motivator, amen? But it's not the greatest motivator. I put to you the gospel is more motivating than anything you fear. You know, and, and good news is hard to keep back. I remember 22 years ago hearing the good news as an 18-year-old college student, and it was the best news that I ever heard. Jesus died for me. And I want to give my entire life to him because he died for me. That it wasn't just, oh, it's a story. This is religious. I didn't grow up that religious. It was a reality. Jesus was a real person that really died for me. And he was giving me eternal life Amen. just by doing a couple things. I don't know about you, but that's incredible. Just doing a couple things that don't take anything. And I get to Know this man forever and eternity. I remember studying the Bible. I said, that's it? That's all I need to do to ensure that I'm saved? And they're like, yeah, that's it. I'm like, get me a towel. Let's do this. Well, Glenn, there's a couple more things we got to talk about. Well, let's get that done with. Because I know what I want now. 
And I don't know if you remember when you were like that. You know, maybe it was the, the cross video or the Passion of the Christ video. Maybe it was that old school call to me video that I remember seeing, you know, um, with, you know, the, the white Jesus, you know, and, and uh, the song. I, I, I remember the song. But you know what? I cry every time I see it because it brings me back to why I became a Christian. Good news is hard to keep to yourself too, Amen. And that's what was Paul. Paul was so enraptured. You're talking to a man who wrote 1 Corinthians 15 and Romans 1 who killed Christians. If that's not the power of God, what is? You know, taking someone who killed Christians and making him the best Christian. Isn't that not incredible? Isn't that not the most amazing thing? You know, um, I remember trying to keep good news to myself. I was asking Danielle to be my wife. And the way it went down was I was meeting her at the Empire State Building, and, but she didn't know, okay? And I was living in Boston at the time, so you go, how do we do this? Well, I called up the New York City uh, campus minister, and I said, could you ask her to speak in New York? That was a big ask. And, 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 and it's not going to even happen. It's going to be a fake message. I just want her to take, take this other sister, go out there and, and pretend that you want her to speak. She's like, you're asking me to lie? I said, even Rahab lied for good reasons. No, no, but it was funny. So, so, I so she got on a bus, and the plan was she was supposed to go to New York and speak with his other sister, uh, and they, were, they had a great message. Uh, I never heard the message. I never got to understand the message, but it was amazing. Now, she told me later that the sister was like, we'll figure it out on the bus. You know, she knew. We'll figure it out on the bus. So she was starting to do this message. They came up with three points. She's like, I don't think we're ready. And Young, the, the sister who was leading Harvard at the time, was like, we're totally ready. <laughs> She's like, okay, I guess that's how you do the sermon prep. You know, amen, I, I let it go. You know, and so she was all prepared. She wrote everything out, of course, because she's Danielle. <clears throat> but we had breakfast earlier that Saturday. I was supposed to ask her Saturday night. We had breakfast then. And it was a fake breakfast date. So I was like, well, you know, I wish I could go out there in New York with you. I have a basketball game. I was playing basketball at UMass, Boston. And I was like, you know, but I, I, I got to be at this game. And I was really, like, trying to act sad. I was like, oh, I just can't. I, I, you guys have a great time. I'm jealous you're going to New York, and I'm not going to be there. So, you know, I was handing it up. But I had, I had the ring in my pocket because I didn't want to lose it. You know what I mean? So I had the ring. I bought the ring, like, three months before. And I had it in my pocket, and I'm holding on to it literally as we're talking. And I'm so excited. She's like, why are you smiling? I'm like, I'm just so happy to see you. I'm so happy that, you know, we can have this breakfast date, you know. And I mean, this is the best omelet I've ever tasted. I'm so excited. I so wanted to tell her, I'm going to ask you to be my wife today. That would have ruined everything. So, um, you know, I'm excited and, and we're in the locker room and, and, of course, the, 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 the basketball coach that day, we won, and he gave this long speech. <laughs> oh, guys, I'm so proud of you. We won by 25. I just want to give a shout-out to Glenn for all his great play, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, I don't care. Just, just shush, shush. So then uh, I raised my hand. I said, Coach, I got to leave. He goes, what do you mean? I got to go ask this woman to be my wife. <laughs> he goes, what now? So then I told the whole locker room, what's we're going to do, Empire State Building, I told them, I had to share it with somebody, you know what I mean? And, and they were like, this is a crazy plane, what if you missed the plane? I go, I didn't think about that. <laughs> but I got to go. So I went there, and I did miss the plane. <laughs> so I shouldn't have shared anything with them, because I was bubbling over. I shared with them, it took like 10 more minutes. I got to the LaGuardia, that's where I was supposed to fly into. I said... What do you mean the flight? I'm sorry, it's closed. And I told the person, I was like, listen, do you see this ring? I need to be in New York City in an hour or an hour and a half, tops. It needs, I need to get there. What am I going to do? She's like, oh, my goodness, really? This is like something out of a movie. <laughs> she was like, okay. Um, she's like, Margaret. She went to the other place she literally figured it out she, it was like twa this is like back in the day you know what i mean we were in i was doing delta 
Delta was like, okay, listen, we're going to figure this out. Well, I'm refunding your money, and then you're going to go on TWA 30 minutes later to have a flight. And those two stewardess, work, uh, not stewardess, the, the flight attendants, they worked it out for me wow. so I could get there. And everything worked out. At the top, she was there. I got the idea from Sleepless in Seattle. I'm a romancer. But to me, I remember one month into dating Danielle, I saw that movie with her and her mom, and I was like, that's how I'm doing it. And so I'd been scheming this whole time how I was going to ask her to be my wife. I was bubbling over with good news. I was telling the flight attendants. I was telling my team. I was telling the coach. I couldn't tell Danielle. And it worked out amazing. And we had, you know, my, my, uh, my parents, Danielle's parents. I, I really made everyone fuss and schlep for this. You know what I mean? Okay, I need you to be at this Chinese restaurant at this time. And, you know, and, and you, know you could tell people were like, yeah, this is awesome. <laughs> But I didn't care because it was a special day. Amen. You know, that's the giddiness that you feel when you have good news. Amen. Do you feel that about your Lord? Amen. Do you feel that about your Lord? And you go, well, that's young Christian stuff. You know, sometimes when people get baptized, we're going to baptize people this fall, of course. Jean-Paul, we can pray for him. He's going to hopefully do it soon. Amen. But... Isn't it like sometimes when they come out of the water, they're so excited, and you're like, isn't that cute? <laughs> they're so excited about the Lord. I remember that. That's convicting, isn't it, too, though? Shouldn't I be excited? You know, just seeing Janet dance like that, wasn't that awesome? She's like, I got asked to do the welcome, and I was like, I was like, I don't even know if I can move like that, you know? That kind of zeal is what Paul felt. It was fresh in his heart all the time. He even got deeper into the gospel. You know, one, a, a writer said that sometimes we think the gospel is the uh, springboard or the, the diving board into the Christian life. But it's more than just the diving board. It's the whole pool. And when you first get baptized, you're in the, you're in the shallow end. But there's deeper parts of the gospel that are waiting for you. And I, I, that's what this fall series is all about. You getting deeper in the gospel. Amen. Amen. Getting more excited. Is it possible that we could be more excited yes. than a young Christian? Yes. That we could be more excited than someone who just comes out of the waters of baptism? I believe that so because I see examples of that. Amen. And Paul was the example. Paul was the ultimate example of giddiness for Christ. He was so excited. What does the good news mean? It, 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 it means it's gospel or evangelio, which means uh, good news. It's also meaning is a reward for bringing good news. The gospel is derived from an Anglo-Saxon word, godspell, or good story, and was substituted for the original Greek, which first signified a present given to one who brought good tidings. A sacrifice offered in thanksgiving for such good tidings having come. You know, um, the gospel is used 92 times in the New Testament. And the good news is spoken 44 times in the entire Bible. It's important for us to really study out every passage about the gospel because it's that ocean. It's that, it's that huge swimming pool that we can get deeper and deeper. And so we're just going to go through really quick points of here of, of something you can think about, amen, today as we get into it a little bit more. And this is just part one, and we're going to have part two. Um, the first thing is the good news saves you, amen? amen. The good news saves you. Um, it saves you by the blood of Jesus. Do you realize that you are lost every day without the blood of Jesus? That every day, in many ways, every second of every day, you are, are, are lost without the gospel. Yeah. That, you're, you're, that wall of sin is never coming down without you receiving the gospel. Jesus take, took the penalty. And, and we know that. But I think what we got to think about is why, why do we need so much forgiveness? You know, for me, who needs more grace? A non-Christian who does, who's ignorant of sin or the Christian who knows sin? 
Who is more sinful? The one who, who's out there partying and thinks, hey, I don't know any better than this. Or the Christian that envies that non-Christian for doing it. You know, this is hard stuff, but you know what the fact is? We, we can walk around guilt-free because we have a Savior. A Savior who died for us and that, that planned to die for us before the creation of the world, that was buried in a tomb and that rose again. The fact that Jesus flew is the coolest thing for me. You know, he just flew. He, he ascended into heaven. And the Bible says that our resurrection will be similar. So I believe, deep down in my heart, that I'm going to be able to fly someday. Fly. Like the angels. I believe the angels can fly or they can just move throughout time. I believe we'll be able to do that just like Jesus did. Not in a way that's going to be abusive, but in a way that's beautiful and wonderful. We'll resurrect. We'll be able to experience exactly what God does. But we, what, let me ask you this. Who wants to get to heaven? Raise your hand if you do. And I know that's, you know. That should be most of the church, amen? <laughs> most of the church. That's the goal, right? If your hand's not up, please talk to me. Why? What do you, what do you mean, you know? Um, but that's the most ambitious thing that you could ever think of doing. You are a very ambitious people. Why do I say that? Well, because you're trying to touch an untouchable holy God. God has untouchable holiness. You know, in Exodus 30, 20, it says that you cannot see my face or you will die. God's infinite perfection is, 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 is not even the slightest sin in his presence can be tolerated. So how do we do it? <laughs> because I don't know about you, but I got sin. I got issues with my character. I got sin. How am I going to touch the untouchable God? If he ripped open this roof right now and showed you his face, we'd all be gone. <laughs> so this God is what you want to feel and touch and be with. Mm -hmm. How are you going to do that? Right. Only through the gospel. Right. You know, we kind of sometimes try to downplay the judgment of God. You know, it's like, hey, God's just like your, you know, he's your homie, he's your brother. You know, it's, 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 we, we, we don't, sometimes, we sometimes think we're doing God a favor by downplaying his right. holiness and judgment. Right. God understands, he works with you. But the truth is, God, a sinful person compared to God, as I spoke about before, is without Christ, is like tissue paper coming on the edge of the sun. It's gone. It has no chance to touch the untouchable God. God is untouchable. You know, we would never take a glass of milk and put a little AIDS virus in there and say, hey, have this drink. We would never even touch that glass to our lips, let alone touch it. We'd be scared of it. We would, I can't be with this. <laughs> and that's an intense analogy, but that, how much more the holy God to us. So we're trying to touch the untouchable God. How is that going to happen? The good news is only through the gospel. Amen? Amen? You know, Jesus paid our debt. And because of that, we all can be saved. You know, um, it's the only thing that saves us. You know, I, I think people think they're going to heaven because they're good people. Most people think that. Amen? You know, you ask someone the question, and I, I think I might do this this series, is, is ask people to record them and just say, hey, are you, how do you get to heaven? But you know the answer is going to be, be a good person. You got to be a good person. Do good. But no one's good but God alone. The only way we can get there is through the gospel. And I think we, it, can, it can mess with our minds to think, you know, I did the gospel, and so therefore I kind of... I kind of deserve to be there, but we don't. Right. We don't deserve to be there. And it's the only thing that saves us. And so I want you to think about that for a second. I want you to think about the fact that we're ruined. We're that tissue paper near the sun without the gospel. But because of the gospel, we have salvation. Amen. And that's what Paul was trying to help us understand is that it's, it makes us stand and it saves us. You cannot stand, even today, as a Christian, 
without the gospel. And you have to stand firm to that. You know, when you lose that, you lose the gospel out of your hands, you lose everything. Everything you believe is in vain without the gospel. The only way we're going to get to, God, to the heaven is through Jesus Christ. Amen. I'm telling you that right now, it's the truth. And I think we need to be reminded of that sometimes. It's not through, oh, I'm, I'm I, I, you know, I came to midweek. <laughs> or I gave my tenth. Jesus didn't get a tenth of his blood. He gave all of it. You know, that's, he gave all to us, so we need to give all to him. And this is another thing to think about is the fact that for you, it was not with the perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed for the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen for the creation of the world, but he's revealed in these last times for your sake. He was chosen before the creation of the world. You know, people say, well, how come I'm, if I sin, how come he made sin if, if, if I'm still guilty? Why did he even create this world that, that gave me the possibility to fall in sin? It's a great question. Well, because we need choice. Amen? Yeah. And we chose to sin. And we chose, and we're, we're trying to do something that's impossible without God. Yeah. Get to heaven. How are you going to even get there, by the way? I was thinking about that the other day. How are we going to get there? How can you not rely on someone else to get there? Right? Think about that. Oh, I'm just going to get there. How are you going to get there? On your own strength? You're going to fly there? There's no flight. And there's no attendant that's going to go, oh, you missed the flight? Go over here. <laughs> it, it, it's only through God. And so for us to think about, wait a second, how am I even going to get there? Through God. Amen? Amen. The power of God. Let's go to Romans 1. So we'll, power of God. The, gospel, the good news is the power of God. Um, let's read verse 14 again through 16. I'm obligated both to Greeks and non-Greeks, both to the wise and to the foolish. That is why I'm so eager to preach the gospel also to you who are in Rome. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God. That brings salvation to everyone who believes. First to the Jew, then to the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. A righteousness that is by faith from first to last. Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. You know, we've heard this passage before, but Paul felt obligated. It's amazing for me. I said, are you kidding me? Paul, who used to be Saul, a killer of Christians, is saying all this. I, I, I think it's amazing just in that, in the fact that Paul is saying it, doesn't it? doesn't illustrate the, the incredible power of the gospel. Yeah. Paul felt obligated to speak the good news to Jews and Gentiles. He was eager to preach the good news. He was not ashamed. Why? Because this good news, this gospel of a carpenter dying for sin of the world unleashes the very power of God. When you speak the gospel, you're unleashing the power of God. I know it's someone, I invited someone to church or I, I did the cross study with someone the other day. You know, we got to start saying, I unleashed the power of God today in this study. And you've seen it, right? When you've done the cross study and someone breaks, you've seen it. You felt it yourself. When the power of God changes you that day, you're different. How is that not the power of God? It's the very power of God. Um... You know, thinking about the fact that God spoke the world into existence. Isn't that incredible? Made the whole universe. Let there be light. Big bang. Boom. A hundred, I think it's 100 billion trillion stars out there in the universe. God knows everyone's, every one of them, there's names. He has it all worked out. He made, just thinking about a thunderstorm and a lightning storm and how powerful that is. A tsunami goes... Uh, 60 miles an hour at 100 feet waves. Imagine a, a wave going 60 miles, 100 feet. That's the power of God. You know, the, Hawaii is going through so much from the eruptions, right? The, the earthquakes that, that happen all over the world. And these eruptions, it's messing up Hawaii. It's causing crazy, um, you know, 
weather to happen there. An eruption from a volcano, that's just the whisper of his power. Yeah. You know, an earthquake, man, devastates. We've, we've seen all these hurricanes, right? Hurricane that hits, you know, Puerto Rico and all these places. This is the power of God. But it's just a whisper. You know, I whisper to you right now. I whisper. You can't even hear me. That's God's power. But it's not God's full power. The full power of God, I put to you, can only be displayed in the gospel. How can a man dying on a cross 2,000 years ago save me? That's power. How can a man 2,000 years ago change my life by getting crucified on a cross? That's the power of God. How can that man dying on a cross affect my life? That's power. That's amazing, amazing power. It's, 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 we need to start realizing the power we have at our fingertips. You know, I want us all this fall to share the gospel with someone. And you know when you share it, you feel the power come out. You feel the power of the gospel. Because the gospel is the only thing on earth, I believe, that shows the full power of God. Nothing else can. Nothing else. There's singing that's amazing, and I love our worship group. There's, there's incredible ways that we can serve the poor that, that's just mind-blowing and amazing, right? But nothing unleashes the power of God like the gospel. And the gospel, in some ways, engulfs all of those activities. The goal of preaching is worship. You know, when I preach to you, I I want the word of God to make you fall in love with God more and worship him. To stand in awe of him. If I don't accomplish that, I have failed you. Because God is worthy of the worship. Amen? Amen? I want you to think about that. I want you to think about the power that's going to be unleashed as we speak the good news to one another and to our friends. Let's unleash the power of God. You know, sometimes I just, I, I, I've, I've been blind to it. The fact that, wait a second, I have everything. The power is right here. It's not in the fancy programs or the fancy things we do or we have cushioned chairs and the other churches don't. It's that we have the power of God right here. And Paul understood that. We need to get that conviction. Amen? Amen. Lastly, I want us to think about, oh, this is the scripture, Job 26, verse 6 through 14. He goes through this realm of the dead is naked before God. Destruction lies uncovered. He spreads out the northern skies over the empty space. He suspends the earth over nothing. He wraps up the waters in his clouds, yet the clouds do not burst and under their weight. He covers the face of the full moon, spreading his clouds over it. He marks out the horizon and the face of the waters for boundaries between light and darkness. The pillars of the heavens quake, angst at his rebuke. But his power he churned up to sea. By his wisdom he cut Rahab to pieces. By his breath the skies become fair. His hand pierced the gliding serpent. I don't even know some of what that even means right there. But that almost seems like, you know, that, either that's a beast or that's, you know, that could be the dinosaurs, that could be Satan. I don't know what that even means. The pierced the gliding serpent. But these are the outer fringe of his works. How faint the whisper we hear of him. Who then can understand the thunder of his power? The thunder of his power is when the gospel is preached. It's the power of God. And I don't know about you, but it's kind of scary to have that kind of power. It's a little scary to have that kind of power, but it's also exciting because it has the ability to impact everyone's hearts. The good news has to be received and reclaimed. Let's go to Acts 2. And I'd like the ushers just to hand this out. This is something you can have for your personal study. If the ushers can hand these out. These are just worksheets that I want to leave you with for the final thing we're going to talk about today. Um, And this is something that I actually want to start handing out at Sunday. Because, you know, if someone comes into this this assembly, and I know a lot of people are out this Labor Day because they're all over the place, camping trips all over the place, and... Next week, we're going to have a full house, of course. But thinking about that, if they don't come out of here knowing the good news, I have failed them. We have failed them. You know, some people come out of church, they, they, what did they hear? I don't know. But this is something I want to hand out to people that visit and friends that we bring. 
Acts 2, verse 36 through 41. How are we doing, church? Come on now. Um, A lot of old Church of Christ used to do this. Uh, Jim knows. You know, to hand out these steps of salvation. Because it makes things clear, amen? And it makes things clear to me. And it also gives you encouragement. So what I did here is I put the steps of salvation with verses in them, right? So that anytime you want to preach the, the gospel, anytime you want to unleash the power of God, well, what about the word study, bro? Amen for the word study. But what about just preaching the gospel to someone? What about just saying, okay, yeah, this is the word of God. Do you believe that? Yes. What do you think about Jesus? He's the son of God. Boom. Open this sheet up and start getting into it with him. And you can do the cross after you preach the gospel. But the gospel message, some people only heard it once and they responded. The Ethiopian eunuch, did he have the full study series? No. He didn't. I know he didn't. You know, he was reading Isaiah the prophet and boom, from there they spoke the good news of Jesus. And what did that do? That made a man in the desert stop the chariot and find water. But I want you to think about this and... and, um, and realize what this is. Can I have one more? Can I just have one more from the ushers? Yeah. Um, let's read the verse. Let's read uh, Acts 2, verse 36. And I know you know this passage. I know. I've heard it a couple times, haven't you? Let's, we could do like, who's heard the passage the most? Bob probably would be like, I've heard this a thousand times, bro. Amen. But this is the first gospel message ever preached. And what was the result? 3,000 were baptized that day. Is that not the power of God? Amen. Verse 36. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, repent, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off from whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourself from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. I had a dream the other day uh, as I was at the preteen camp. If all our fellowship... On the day of Pentecost, throughout all the world, had that day of Pentecost, where they had a baptism Sunday at Pentecost. Pentecost is May 31st or June 1st or something like that. It goes back and forth. It's on a Sunday, if you didn't know. And it's yearly. It happens yearly. What would we do as a fellowship if we had a service where people that were ready to be baptized, and that we're not just throwing people in the water, we had a baptism service for all 634 churches around the world. What would happen? What would happen, church? You know, I, I, I've been throwing this idea out to different people in our fellowship. And, of course, they're like, I don't know if everyone will get on board with that. And I'm like, what? What do you mean you won't get? Well, motivation. You know, we're we just going to throw people in the water? Of course not. But I believe that if we did do this, if this ever did happen in our churches, we would out-baptize this situation right here. Now, there are one church. It's not a competition. But I believe that we have the power of the gospel around the fellowship where we could do something special like this. Now, will it ever happen? I don't know. But what if we did it as a church? You know, thinking about this special day of Pentecost, this is, the, this is when the law was preached uh, on Sinai to the people. And now this is the, this is the, now the old covenant was preached on Sinai. The new covenant now is preached at Pentecost for the first time. This is the first gospel message. A lot of people go, well, wasn't the gospel preaching the gospels? No, this is the first gospel message because Jesus hadn't risen from the dead yet. You know, just so you know, the preaching kind of stopped after the cross happened for like 40 days. 
Think about that. Jesus is Lord. Oh, he's dead. How can we even preach Jesus? So this was the first message preached. This is the first gospel message preached. And I explained that to people. And so he goes through this. First, if you can look at your sheets there, you got to hear the good news. It's, in, it's super convicting to read this passage. How can they call on the one they have not believed in? How can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? We have an information problem in this world. People just need to hear it. Not enough people heard the gospel. Not enough people have really heard the gospel. Look, there's Bibles everywhere. There's, there's churches everywhere. No. That doesn't mean the gospel's preached everywhere. So that's the first step. You've got to hear the message. You can't have faith without hearing the message. And I'm not talking about religious message. I'm talking about Jesus died for you. Do you get that? Do you understand that? How do you feel about that? Second thing, you have to believe in Jesus. And this is one of the most missed things in our world. What's it mean to believe in Jesus? What's it mean to believe in Jesus? What it means to believe in Jesus is to believe that he's now your master. He rules your life. True belief in Jesus is lordship of Christ. Amen. We know that. Amen. It doesn't just mean believing, you know, okay, I believe in Santa Claus somewhat, and I believe in the tooth fairy somewhat. And God's a lot more than the tooth fairy. Yeah. He's not a lot more than Santa Claus. <laughs> but he can't even be in that category. But he is in people's categories. It's, it's more of a, I believe in him, but it doesn't really affect my life. Right. This is important. That you, he becomes your master. Yes, you are now his. Because he gave his life for you, you give your life for him. And if you understood what he did for you, that'd be an easy choice. Then he becomes your Messiah. After you make him Lord. You know, Messiah means Savior or, or, or you know, the Anointed One. Christ is a Messiah, but he first needs to be Lord. And finally, and that's the thing I, I think I've missed before I studied the Bible is that I'm responsible for the crucifixion of Jesus. This is kind of a weird thing to say to people. You crucified Jesus. Well, no, I didn't. <laughs> I wasn't there, man. That's history. You know history. I wasn't there. Well, you know, Jesus didn't have to do it. That you were the cause, the reason, the, the stimulus for causing him to go to the cross. And I know we think of time and we think of Hey, I wasn't at the theme of the, theme of the crime. You know, I wasn't at the scene of the crime. Yes, you were spiritually. You were there. And every time we sin, we're, we're reminded of that. Amen. That our sins crucified Jesus. You know, then, what does that do to your heart? A true person that understands the cross is cut to the heart. They're pricked. They're stunned. They're kind of like, what? Wait, What? And I love when, when that happens, when we study the Bible with someone, and they get it. Do you know what I'm talking about? Where they're like, wait, what? I never read the cross like that. That's what everyone says. I've never gone through the account of Jesus like that. And that's a beautiful thing. And, you know, that's, that's something we need to do more. But, but godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. Cut to the heart is godly sorrow. And what is godly sorrow? It's, it's not worldly sorrow. Worldly sorrow says, oh, no, uh, I'm in trouble. <laughs> How can I get out of it? Godly sorrow says, I'm in trouble. How can I, what can I do to make this right? And that's what they said. Brothers, what shall we do? Repent. The Greek meaning is to change your mind. The worldview change of Jesus. Repent is a religious word that people misinterpret all the time. Repent! And believe the good news. It's kind of scary. Repent. Oh, no. I don't want to talk about that. But we know it's refreshing. Amen? Amen. It says, repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out. You know, a lot of people go, I repented. Yes, you made a decision to repent, but you didn't repent. God granted repentance to you. It is a spiritual thing to repent. And, and it's not just about changing behavior. It's changing your whole mindset. You're, you're, you, you take your junky mind, <laughs> your stinking thinking, as they say, and you replace it. You know, if there was like a memory, you replace it with the mind of Jesus. And that's repentance. You know, and, and you know what that feels like. But that's how we change our life, not by white-knuckling it. 
And repentance happens only after the cross and we see the love of God. But repentance is necessary for salvation. Because if you don't get converted, you can't be converted. I'm just kidding. That, that makes sense, doesn't it? You have to be converted. And then lastly, once you are a mind, your mind is changed. And you, you're ready to make Jesus Lord of your life because he died for you. Then you're ready to be baptized. Which means, you know, it's a Greek word. Shout out to the Greeks in the house. Baptizo, immersed or plunged. You know, he says, now what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, wash away your sins, calling on his name. A lot of people go, well, I've been baptized before. And I've, I've believed in Jesus before. So am I good? Well, I'd say, listen, if, it, it, it is similar to blueberry pancakes. Blueberry pancakes? You guys like blueberry? I just made blueberry pancakes the other day. It was pretty awesome. It's pretty good if I say something. I make a mean pancake. But, you know, pancakes, you can't make pancakes out of order. You know, if I don't mix it up and put blueberries in and do the eggs and do the flour, and I, I, there's a certain order, amen? But if I take an egg, throw it in there, fry it up, then I put the flour on top of there, and then I try to, you know, get the spatula and get it there. What's going to happen? And then I throw some blueberries in the end. That's going to be nasty. We know that from Man Up. The brothers can make mean pancakes and Man Up, too. If you've ever been to that event, that's amazing. Those brothers make, like, 100 pancakes. Charlie in his, in his, in his chocolate factory. They just make all these amazing, wondrous things for us. I've never seen so much bacon in the house, you know. It's breakfast sandwiches. It's, it, there's always more and more than we need. But there's an order, amen? Yeah. So people say, well, I've been baptized, but I didn't really change my mind. Well, you've got to be baptized again then. Oh, I've never believed in Jesus. Well, that's first, first things first. And so for us, what, what I want to ask you is, as you speak this, I'd like you, this my challenge for you this, this fall, I'd like you to take this and speak to a friend about this. Well, what, do I need to wait till you're in stuff? What about the leaders? No, no, no. I want you to get the sheet out and go to town. Amen. See what the Lord does. Hey, can I talk to you about the gospel? Maybe that will be a little bit, you know, not as shrewd as maybe saying, Hey, can I share my, I want to share my faith with you a little bit. Would you be willing to sit down with a cup of coffee and let me share why I've changed? That might be a little bit more. You know your friends, you know. I want to share the gospel with you. You want to get together. You know, that might be a little, oh, hey, I don't know if I'm ready for that. But sharing this with them and saying, hey, do you want to go to heaven? Do you want to have salvation? And maybe the first thing you do is just study out the cross with them. If you study the cross to someone and then did this, I, I don't know. That's powerful. That might be what we do. I want you to think about the power of the gospel. And this is something for you to later on think about. These last ten things here on the sheet is what I want you to look at the power, the blessings of the gospel. Amen? Forgiveness of sins, the gift of the Holy Spirit. You become a child of God. The list goes on and on. But I want you to read every scripture and get fired up. Because that's what you can receive. And you know what? To me... I can preach all this amazing, but if you don't get in front of a, a human being and do this, you don't know what it means to have power. You've seen the difference, amen? amen. I want to share one last story. I know we're coming to an end here. I know it's a little louder, longer service here. But I, I want us to think about seeing face to face. What would it be like to see Jesus for the first time? And I want to end with this because this is the goal. William Duke was 10 years old when he was blinded in an accident. Despite his disability, William graduated from the University of England with high honors. While he was in school, he fell in love with the daughter of a high-ranking British naval officer, and they became engaged. Not long before the wedding, William had eye surgery in hope that the operation would restore his sight. If it failed, he would remain blind for the rest of his life. William insisted on keeping the bandages on his face until his wedding day. If the surgery was successful, he wanted the first person he saw to be his new bride. The wedding day arrived, and that uh, day many guests, including the royalty, cabinet members, and distinguished men and women of the society, 
assembled to, to witness the exchange of vows. William's father, Sir William uh, Hart Duke, and the doctor who performed the surgery stood next to the groom, whose eyes were still covered with bandages. The organ trumpeted the wedding march, and the bride slowly walked down the aisle to the front of the church. As soon as she arrived at the altar, the surgeon took a pair of scissors, surgical scissors out of his pocket and cut the bandages from William's eyes. Tension filled the room. The congregation witnesses held their breath as they waited to find out if William could see the woman standing before him. As they stood face to face with his bride-to-be, William's word echoed throughout the cathedral. You are more beautiful than I ever imagined. One day, the spiritual bandages from our eyes will be cut. They'll be removed. And when we stand face to face with Jesus Christ, among other people as well, the people that we help, and we see the face, his face for the very first time, his glory will be more splendid than anything we've ever imagined in this life. That's the goal of the gospel. That's why we unleashed his power. It's going to be a great fall. Amen.